Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chim. This is a podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. Today, we're speaking with Nico Montañez. He is back to talk about Road to the Trials. Again, another Road to the Trials series episode, and I cannot wait. So, Nico, you're about to leave soon. You got the World Championships on deck, my man. So, normally you're in Mammoth Lakes. Where are you now? I'm in, uh, I'm in Los Angeles, going to spend the night, um, catch a flight tomorrow to Budapest. So, yeah. This is amazing. So last time we talked, uh, we basically did an episode before Boston, and then we did an episode after Boston. So this has been a longer span than we usually take on Road to the Trials. This was all my fault because with the launch of Relay, I lost track of a couple of things, but I'm so glad to have you back. Now, you were someone who was invited to do the World Championships back in 2019, which was, again, it's kind of a similar setup, right? 2019, then you're heading into the 2020 trials. Walk me through the process this time in terms of when did the invitation come and what was the decision-making process like for you this time around? Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I actually had a schedule set up to do the road championships. Um, I hadn't heard about the world championships in terms of the marathon, um so i figured i wasn't going um hadn't i knew the team hadn't been announced yet but um, i was just i moved on i moved on completely i had a i had to get my season going and my summer racing and you know um i had things like the uh peach tree road race you know that was like one that i wanted to target and and these were all to get points so that i could do the road championship races specifically the half marathon um, so I, I had all that going. Me and my coach are playing it all out. Um, I go to Boulder for an ASICS event. That was a fabulous event for the Kiano 30 launch. Um, had a blast I was there. Je- I, my jealousy like runneth <laughs> over because I felt like all of my friends in the running media were there. And I was like, how come I wasn't there? I was so jealous. Kafuzi's out there interviewing you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Again, no, I'm not going to make this about me. It seemed like a great event. That's for sure. And I was definitely jealous because you guys seemed like you had a great time. Yeah, oh, it was fantastic. Asics does such a fantastic job, and uh, it was my second time in Boulder. But this time around, I kind of knew like a little bit of my way around, so it was it was good to appreciate what Boulder had had to offer. Um, but anyways, yeah. So going back, you know, I had my summer schedule, at least what I thought was going to be the plan. Uh, I was actually going to do Falmouth, so this that's right around the corner this weekend, actually. Um, that was one that I was going to target definitely, and and you know, potentially try to try to win the damn thing. It's an ASICs event, you know? Um, and so all this together, going to Boulder, doing these things, playing the summer racing, I get back from Boulder. Um, and I just get a phone call from, from Andrew, my coach. And he goes, or he, he calls me up. And I go, hello, you know, whatever. and he's like, are you sitting down? And I was like, my heart dropped. I was like, Oh my God, who died? Like, <laughs> that like don't start like that and he was like are you sitting down i was like oh my god tell me what happened he goes you've just been invited to to accept a position for the world championships and i my heart came back you know because i was like oh thank god you know it wasn't bad news (laughs) um so yeah i sat down i took it in and um the whole process was really quick um I got an email from Kimberly Sims, um, USATF, and she needed to know an answer 
immediately. Um, all in the time span that I got like on the phone with my coach, you know, Ray, my agent is, is, is texting me and I got all these people like in my ear. And it was, so it was like, it was such a surreal event. Like I didn't have the time to process it because I was like, Oh my God, I need to decide. Um, and so it was like all this that we had planned for the summer racing was just thrown out the window. Um, and I was like, well, heck yeah. Like, you know, I thought internally for about 10 minutes and um, Andrew specifically said, take 10, 15 minutes when you're done with me, call your agent and tell him yes or no. But here's my thought. And his thought was, we passed up one before, we're not doing it again. And this is an August event. It gives you plenty of time before the trials. So I took those two things probably in the most consideration. Um, and I was like, yeah, everything, you know, Peachtree, Felmouth, everything I had planned, like became so small. And it was like, this is what I've been striving to do. Um, to me, it's all about making teams, whether it's a, a world team, Olympic team. So to have my dreams come true was uh was pretty surreal and i remember uh writing down my goals for andrew the this coming 2023 season and my one of, one of them was making uh a world team i thought it was going to be cross country a race that i didn't even finish and then to get this call later was just yeah again i use the word surreal um but like to me there's like no accidents in life like this is not a coincidence so i was like i gotta take advantage um so i'm sorry i know that was a long-winded answer but yeah so like it was like phone call i thought someone died uh and then USAT was like we need a response like in the next hour and so all that kind of happened i said yes seal the deal andrew wrote the plan it was like perfect so yeah we just went from there <laughs> All right. I, I have so many follow-up questions. I'm not even sure where to start. I guess the first one is, and I'm not, and you don't have to give like a full answer because if you don't know, you don't know. But like, yeah. why such a quick turnaround? Like, like, it's not like people didn't know when this race was or where it was being held, right? Like, why was this like, I need to know by the end of this sentence? Like, mm -hmm. wh what's up with that? Yeah, um, that was a little bit frustrating. I'm not going to lie. And I I don't want to bash anyone or any organization, but I definitely felt like you're the ones that let us know so late in the game. Like at, at that time, it was like, I think July 8th, or excuse me, June 8th or June 9th. We, I got to get going for a marathon. Like I, I'm, I'm over here planning 80 miles a week, 70 miles a week, not right. Like in 10 Ks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And races that I'm like, well, I know that's not my strong suit, but I want to, you know, mix it up so um yeah so that was frustrating i'm not gonna lie i was like okay i'm glad that andrew seems to be on board my agent ray seems like everyone seems to be on board that is close to me so it makes this decision a lot easier but that was the frustrating part was like they needed an answer immediately um so you know i, I got back to them you know you don't you know bite the hand that i guess feeds you if you will um so i yeah i got back to him but it was it was a frustrating thing to think about i almost wanted to sit on it but i didn't want to get passed up by that <laughs> right yeah absolutely and how much of the decision to go for it was any lingering regret from not doing 2019 um yeah i think i think quite a bit to be honest because i think anytime you can re represent um something bigger than yourself 
which is what I've always wanted to do at a, at a big stage. Um, so I think patch that up was definitely unfortunate, but at that time, like I, I was still trying to make a name for myself and I still am now. Um, but yeah, I don't, I like, I look back on it. I don't think I would have ran Houston marathon. No, excuse me. I did do the Houston half. Yeah. So I think I was just still trying to make a name and I don't know. I, I don't think I considered myself in that fit type of fitness yet, but I should have. So, yeah. And also that race was different too. As I remember, it was like they ran, it was like, it was, it was beginning of September. I remember being super hot. I talked to Roberta Groner like right after it. Cause she was doing road of the trials season one. So she, so we were, we, were, we talked to her like before the race and after the race, like they ran at like 11 o'clock at night. It was like this really weird course, like 95 degrees. It was like a crazy experience. I don't know if people remember this, like Sarah Hall, was, that was like her crazy, like that was the beginning, like the Sarah Hall can do anything movement. She like ran that race and like ran like two marathon majors afterwards and something like that. Like it was a, it was a crazy experience. Um, but yeah, it did definitely see, I can see what you're, you're, um, when you're intimating about like, all right, yeah. like there was other considerations. It doesn't seem like that either one would have been a wrong choice, right? You do the world championships or you sign up for a world marathon major. Like I, I get mm-hmm. it. Um, you just, um, I shouldn't say you Sidious mag just released a wonderful video. Um, you know, they followed you around, uh, the day you did your hour 45 minute, uh, marathon concentration run. And it was, it's a, it's a fantastic thing. People should go to the Sidious Mag, uh, YouTube page to go check it out. Um, and one of the things that you mentioned in it was the desire or not even desire, but just the allure for people in your position to, um, quote unquote, chase the money in certain circumstances, right? And that meaning, and I'm assuming that you mean, please, please correct me if I'm wrong, like the idea of like appearance fees and things like that within our sport. And oftentimes some of the major marathons can provide that. When, when you're trying to balance out your schedule and looking at different races, how do you, you know, think about the idea of like this quote unquote, chasing the money theme that you referenced in the video but also kind of counterbalance with like hey sometimes you just have to do what you are yearning for yeah i'm actually really happy you brought that up because i i looked back on that uh short conversation and i was hoping i want to clarify like for people who do want to chase the money it doesn't mean it's like it's a bad thing or like yeah. if they just want to do the circuit and take advantage of the circuit points like i'm all for that so you know, there's plenty of amazing athletes out there. So I wanted to like, I'm glad you brought that up because I really wanted to clarify, like, there's nothing wrong with doing that. Um, I just, for me personally, I just feel like if I'm, for example, like doing the things that I just, I know that if I do get caught up in the money, I know where that can lead me. And that's like down a path where like I'm trying to squeeze you know, enforce things. And it's just not my best version of myself. So that's, that's kind of what I wanted to like, also clarify is like, when I do things that are, you know, bigger, bigger than me, or like for, hey, how hard can I push myself come August 27th, you know, at the World Championships, like that's when I get the most out of myself. And ironically, that's maybe when I do earn um, a ASICS time bonus or something of that nature. So that 
those I found that those two definitely correlate for me because um, I have had mo- instances where I did try. Not only did I fail, but I failed epically. Um, and so I realized, I was like, man, okay, like I don't really want to go down this path. Money is a great thing, and when we all need it, you know, uh, we need a damn union. But that's a whole other story in our sport. Um, but but yeah, so I think just having like a different type of mindset going into the race. Cause like, uh, I forget what race it was that like all I focused on was the, I think it was the Boston where I had the root canal and like, I was like, Oh, I get, if I place this place and I do this and I do that, like I can earn like, you know, $15,000 on top of what I make. Like it's great. And not only did that not happen, I got a root canal. Now I know that's totally like <laughs> not related at all. Um, but yeah, I was like, yeah, hey, I'm not going down that path again. So, so yeah, right. anyways, um, yeah. So for me, like personally speaking, just for me, I feel like it would derail me again and I don't want to go through that. All right, everybody, I want to take a quick break and give a shout out to Lagoon. I'm really trying to take better care of myself, both before and after my runs. And one of the areas that I'm really focusing on is sleep and not just about the time you the time you spend in bed obviously that's important but also making sure you have quality and not just quantity and that's a big thing right we talk about all the time with training quantity and quality same thing with sleep and part of that is your pillow i have the fox pillow that was the one that i got after taking the online quiz which was really interesting to take because you, you figure out like what what exactly do i need what do i need my pillow for how do i sleep what are my preferences and it makes a big difference. And this is a pillow I've had for over a month now. It's coincided with my biggest 30 days of training that I've ever had. And I feel really, really good. And I know a big reason for that is because of how I'm sleeping and how I'm sleeping is affected by my pillow and things are just going so well for me. Waking up from my morning runs has never felt better. I'm refreshed. I'm pain-free in large part thanks to Lagoon Pillow. So go to lagoonsleep.com. That's L-A-G-O-O-N sleep.com forward slash rambling. Take their awesome two-minute sleep quiz to find your match and then use code rambling for 15% off your first purchase today. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, it sounds like that for you it you can't separate like if the choice was made purely not purely for the money, but like the, the the strongest motivation in a race selection was the financial benefit that you can't silo that in terms of like your race day execution and preparation whereas like I'm sure the races out there, they're like, hey, if this race that I really want to do also wants to give me a huge appearance fee, wonderful. Like, hey, right, best of both worlds. Yeah, I think, yeah, so like for me, I think about it a little differently. Like appearance fee is like, okay, that's almost money that you get regardless. You can run at 2.30, you know, still get that money. Um, that's essentially what happened at uh, Boston Marathon with my root canal. Like I was like, well, I'm still going to stay in this race because I got an appearance fee. And if I don't finish, they cut it in half. I'm not okay with that. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, so, this, so that was part of the stipulation. So I was like, okay, I'm going to finish. And that's not the reason I finished, by the way. The reason I finished was like, uh, I wanted to see, like, like I don't give up. You know, I don't want people to think, like, I'm just having a bad day, so I just step off the track. You know, I want to let people know, even though if you're going through a hard time, you can finish. Um, but, yeah, I forgot what the question was already. <laughs> oh no, no, for sure, and, and I, I love, I love how you're talking about that, about the, the openness of this sort of thing, right? Because there's certain money that you can't say because of NDAs, and also you don't want to like, 
um, step on people's toes that you might need to rely on in the future. But at the same time, like some people just don't want to talk about this at all. And I do appreciate the openness and honesty. You're approaching this. Oftentimes we only get that sort of thing once someone retires, right? Then they start to open the vault because at that point, like, why not? Right. (laughs) It's not going to come back to get me now. Um, So I really do appreciate that. That is for sure. So leading into Budapest, I'm really excited to talk about a couple of things here. I guess, first of all, just since we talked about the YouTube video already, um, your coach, Andrew Caster, um, some people I know him as, as Dina Caster's husband, um, he talks about the marathon concentration runs starting at 90 minutes, then building up to an hour and 45, and then to two hours. These are done at around 7,000 feet, so coming down the elevation chain from where you normally are in Mammoth Lakes and having them run between 520 and 530 pace, which is roughly five, you know, 25 minutes, 25 seconds or so slower than your goal marathon pace. But at the same time, you're still doing this at elevation. So just give people a synopsis of what these runs are. How long have you been incorporating these sorts of things in your training? Um, let's see. We started my teammate, Reed Buchanan at the time. He's no longer on the team, but um, we started in... Um, uh, in the summertime slash fall before the Chicago Marathon, actually last year. So I'm still pretty new to these. Um, yeah, so leading up to Chicago, I did those that, that, that three part. Actually, I did only two of them because one of them I was sick for. So I didn't get the 90-minute run-in. I got the hour 45 and two leading up to Chicago. And lo and behold, I run a PR. And I was like, that that is it. Like, um i think i just ran my long runs too slow um what i mean by that is i really run so like seven sometimes 715 or sometimes like 650 on the fast end you know so i was just really like for a marathoning at least elite marathon you gotta you kind of gotta get the engines turning um so then once we put that that, perspective that people don't know like we're talking about two minutes per mile slower than your marathon pace right like most people like they might think oh seven minutes that's not slow it's like well you know like if you think about it in terms of like that sort of thing you're like oh my gosh like this is this is a totally different ball game yeah definitely and so when we implemented those i saw a big change in fitness like i i lasted so long in chicago that i was like I didn't know if it was the years of building up, but like the first thing that came to mind after I crossed that line was like those three serious workouts. I don't know how they work. I don't know why they work, but they work. Um, And so then I did it for Boston leading up. But I mean, you know, Boston was hard because I was shoveling, you know, snow every day. So I, it wasn't the most optimal buildup. So for me to go run two, two ten high still was like, I contribute again to those that three part series. And we went we went way down in altitude to 40, 43, 4,500. So a lot different. Um, so I was like, okay, you know, maybe I didn't do as well because I didn't do this workout at seven thousand feet, but it's full of snow and the the roads are closed. So like can't do it anyway. Um, yeah, Mammoth, so now, Mammoth Lakes, you were doing like Rocky Four training. You're like climbing up mountains, you're like chopping wood, <laughs> doing all that. Yeah. So ironically, coach will play the uh I did my two hour session the next week after that video was put out like that next Saturday. So like a week from that. And, um, he played one of the Rocky, he played the like intro Rocky song and I was running to it. So I got pretty <laughs> dead. <but. laughs> We're such dorks. Um, so yeah, so that for some reason that, that trio of workouts 
are implemented so well and they just get me so fine and so fit. So, and I'm really happy about it because in the weeks in between, so I guess the weeks we're not doing that three series, three part series, I'm still running my long runs of two hours and 30 minutes at 6:30 or faster pace. So I'm still like, I, I might start off gradual, but by the end, you know, I'm getting down below 6:30s to average out to 6:30, and we're climbing hills. We are climbing mountains, and so otherwise, my my average would be faster. So I just found that the long runs need to be a little bit more honest if I want to run faster. Now, what do you do the day before these workouts? Is it like, and how does that compare to like what you would do the day before the um the less strenuous long runs that you're doing and the weeks between? Yeah, so before the hour forty five, um, I actually had just gone back from the five k that I did terrible in in uh, in um, Southern California. Um, so I was a little bit more fresh going into the hour forty five. So um you know more or less i was pretty excited and then for the two-hour session um so right after we did the 5k i went straight into a 130 mile week so um let's see i the, the day before that that hour 45 i did like 10 in the morning and like seven in the evening so that was a 17 17 mile a day um but again i was still kind of fresh coming off the 5k you know, doing some light work on Sunday, the day after the race, but the two hour session, um, you know, we try to go into it with heavy legs so that we can simulate having to fight through certain five Ks of the race. So, you know, even before the two hour session, I did, uh, about 17, 18 miles a day before, um, in preparation for like getting my legs quote unquote tired for this workout. Cause, um, you know, it's interesting. This the pace isn't necessarily hard until like maybe the last twenty minutes, but it's just kind of this. Again, it's literally why it's called a concentration run. If I lose focus, that's a five forty like like that, um, or a five fifty five, and I'm like, oh, I got to kind of get back on track. So, um, so yeah. So the days before, I'm still doing pretty high mileage because I want my body to know what that's like, you know, and I want it to understand what the last 10k is going to be like because it's 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 going to be a dogfight. so yeah talk to me about that concentration piece your coach andrew did mention that in the um in the video and hence the name of the workout like it's a marathon concentration workout at first i was like i viewed it as like like a concentration like putting it like pushing it together like you know concentrated orange juice right like like or we're concentrating into this small bundle it's like oh i wonder if they're running like half marathon pace for a shorter period that's what i when I first heard the title of it and then i got like oh it's a mental thing how yeah. interesting i can't wait to talk to nico about this tell me about concentration and focus in a marathon and in these workouts i mean you just referenced it right now like hey if i, I lose my concentration that could be a 540 mile like like that. So talk to me about like what concentration for you feels like when you are fatiguing and kind of the the, the ways in which it can go well or go bad in those moments. Yeah. Um so I'll say the first eight miles of of the 90 minute run, the hour 45, even the two hour are like piece of cake. Like I blink and I'm like, oh my God, eight miles done. That's awesome. 
And so you just have to like make sure you don't go too fast during yeah, that time. And, that, and, that, and that's a, that's also a key factor that we determine like we could do that, but then we're, we're kind of losing focus of what the real part of the workout is. So if I just want to go run faster, I might as well do a, I might as well do a 10 mile tempo. Like we're, we're losing the focus of this, of this workout. So even though like 525 is not that hard for the first day, even 530 is like a, is a jog in the park. It, it starts to get harder at about 10 and then that's when the tr- concentration turns up. Um, and so what I mean by that is um, I'm, I'm working through different, Andrew calls it, you're working through different substrates. So if you're at mile 12 and all of a sudden you kind of feel this urge of like weakness or you're slowing down, just know like your body's scientifically working through different energy zones to kind of get back to equilibrium so that we can kind of keep that pace again. So that'll happen to me, you know, past a certain amount of time in the workout. And I usually just go by time. So like I would say about uh, 75, 80 minutes in, I start to start, I start to kind of feel that type of way. I'm like, okay, now, now is the time where the 525 maybe starts to feel like 510, even though it's not 510, you know, or I have, you know, uh, I have to climb this hill. Um, so yeah, so that, that's what I really think about is when I do hurt out there, um, I'm thinking about, okay, my body is just really working through different energy zones and I'll come out of it because we, we could slow down and we could, you know, have a slower time or whatever, or I could teach my body and my mind that if Zach Panning or Alcona Cabet or, you know, a plethora of other amazing runners make a move, I need to be ready to be tough in that moment. So I think about that kind of stuff, even though I'm running 525 pace, so a lot different, but, um, yeah, so I think about different things when I'm fatiguing like that. And then, of course, I would say the last half hour of all the, the, the this trio of runs have been, I notice my heart rate gets a lot more elevated. Uh, I am climbing a lot more uh, towards the end, so that makes sense. But, you know, it's hot out. I've been running for two hours already. Like, you know, so the weather starts to pick up a little bit. And um, that's when I really need to focus because I – I kid you not, like in Chicago in 2022, I remember the feeling I had the last 5K of the race. That is the same feeling that I have in about the last half hour of each of these runs. And so that tells me we're we're teaching our body. It's almost like what I like to think about is like the law of specificity. I'm teaching my body to kind of get through this mental barrier Um, because the 5K, unfortunately for me, has been where I let people in and beat me uh towards the end you know um you know i think it was 2020 yeah 2022 when i ran 209.55 i let uh matthew mcdonald back in the race i put him away last mile kudos to him he had a hell of a race but he put me away in the last you know uh 0.2 and that was his 209.48 i think and that was my 209.55 so there's there's things that i personally want to work on that last 5k um that doesn't necessarily mean picking up the pace. That just means, okay, how steady can I be or how easy can I be during this whole process? Uh, and then secondly, I actually use it to fuel quite a bit. So I'm taking I'm taking everything that I would take in a race. Um, so I'm down to the six, you know, exactly six ounces every 5K. 
I'm taking my gels on time. I'm taking my caffeinated gel. So I'm, I'm teaching my gut to, to work with me too, because um, I want to have energy at the end as well. So, so is that six ounces of hydration? Yeah, I said six ounces of uh, power bar. Uh, okay. It's a power bar, power bar mix that I use, and then I use a power bar gel on top of the six ounces. They're every like 15K or so. Hey folks, let's talk about vacation races. So vacation races host half marathons, ultra marathons, and trail running festivals at national parks around the country and week-long running adventures all around the world. These global adventures offer daily 7 to 12K trail runs in the morning and afternoon activities that include high adventure things like glacier treks, zip lining, whitewater rafting, or cultural activities like wine tasting, falconry, his, uh, historic tours, cooking classes, just these things. They offer a, just such a wide range of things. If you're worried about pace, don't be. They require runners to maintain around a 20-minute mile pace. So as long as, you can, as long as you're basically moving with purpose, you're going to be just fine. These adventures are all all-inclusive, which means hotels, in-country transportation, meals, drinks, activities, and swag are all covered in the trip, and they just announced their full 2024 calendar, which you're going to want to check out. Again, I know we just started 2023, but you got to plan these trips way in advance, and that's exactly what they're trying to do. They have 11 different destinations. Examples are like Alaska, Costa Rica, Croatia, Ecuador, Iceland, Ireland, Japan, New Zealand, Patagonia, so many. It really is remarkable. You can go check them out at vacationraces.com. New customers can use Rambling 200 for $200 off any global adventure trip that is not currently sold out. Also, you can use code Rambling15 for 15% off any of the half marathons or ultra marathon adventures that are not currently sold out. So remember, it's code Rambling200 for the global adventures and Rambling15 for 15% off the half marathon or ultra marathons. I'm so glad you brought this up because I was going to get this question in a little bit. That's why I'm like, I'm like, I didn't have it phrased right. So I'm kind of like filibustering here and how I want to phrase it. Um, I guess we've heard a lot about how fueling has changed in the recent years um, in different endurance sports with the, uh, with the Tour de France and cycling being the forefront of this uh, in terms of like just really maximizing um, carbohydrate and calories, but really focusing on the carbohydrate intake per hour with you're hearing some people, even like Tom Evans talking about Western states of getting in upwards of a hundred grams of carbohydrate per hour, which is a wild number. I mean, first of all, it's like, man, these long runs must cost like $30. <laughs> it's yeah. a lot of goose, um, but oh, a lot yeah. of gels. But at the same time, it's just a lot to take down, right? It needs to be like, you're either like about to eat or have just finished eating like the whole time. So I guess, what does it look like for you in terms of, you know, how you measure it in terms of like grams per hour? Are you more calorie based? And how has that changed in recent years, if at all? Yeah, so I got my, I got my, okay, so when I was running like 213, 214, still for the marathon, and I was dying or hitting the wall a few of the last 10K to 12K, I was like, there's no way I'm out of shape. Like, I know I'm in shape. I know, like, I can muster, you know, a little bit of faster, like, even 212, like, just give me a 212 performance. Um, but at that time, I was really falling apart, and I looked back at my feeling. And so I changed it. I changed from Morton to Power Bar because uh, a teammate recommended it and I loved it. And the sugars were great and it, the carbs were less than Morton, but 
I found that I was able to get more in with Power Bar, which was, you know, weird. And it had it has the five electrolytes. Um, was in the in the marathons previous to this, like my hamstring would cramp up. So I was like, oh, did I go out too fast? Like, what what's going on? Um, so for me, I try to do, especially in these concentration runs. I try to do because I'm a smaller guy. I try to shoot for seventy grams per hour. Uh, they say sixty is like the minimum, so I want to go a little bit above that. Um, if I'd love to get to eighty to ninety, but I just don't know if my gut can handle that right now. So, but I have been training my gut, and that's one thing I've noticed a difference in. And you hit it like right on the head. I felt like I've taken three bottles down, so fifteen kilometers in my long run concentration. And then at about 16, 17K, I'm taking a gel. And then again, I'm taking a bottle at 20K, so 3K later. So, yeah, I, I really do feel like I've had a full meal. Um, but I know that, especially in a hot marathon, which Budapest is kind of squaring up to be more or less, uh, that those fluids are going to come in handy late in the race. So, and yeah, I, I wondered about Chicago. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I'm so glad you brought up the heat too, because, you know, obviously, you're focusing more on liquid calories and liquid carbohydrates in this situation, as opposed to like taking the gels when well, you're taking that, but that's not the primary source. It sounds like, um, so on a, on a hot day, how does that potentially alter the fueling strategy? Because obviously you want to take in maybe even more hydration on that day, but at the same time, not all of it's going to be liquid calories. Maybe it's going to be more, a lot of water as well. Like how does heat, potentially alter what you're taking in yeah i guess and i don't know if this is how scientific this is or not but i just when i'm in the heat and i'm running hard i feel like i'm burning through my sugars at a lot faster than i would be if it was a 50 degree day you know in chicago or something like that so for me it's yeah it's more imperative that i get in the fluids and i and i you know i i just i get it in no matter what um even if i don't want to take it um, even if we're running slow because it's a hot day and the pace is slower, it's 505, it's 510. I want to make sure I'm getting in those fluids because some point in the race, someone's going to drop a 440 or faster and that's going to burn through a lot of sugar. So I need to be prepared for those type of moments. So I think what I'm trying to say really is like always being prepared carbohydrate wise so that I can make moves in the race when I need to make them. So, Yeah. Yeah, and I got to ask because I am like so bad at taking gels like on the run, even if it's an easy run. I'm just like just the, the tearing of it and then the sucking it down and all of a sudden you have to breathe through your nose. Again, I'm just easy running, so I'm breathing through my nose anyway. But like, you know, you're out there running 505s, you know, <laughs> trying to kick some butt, you know, trying to, you know, do all that. What's it like trying to take a gel? In the, in, in the midst of all that, like, is it something you really have to practice hard to, to get down or is it pretty effortless? Um, I would say I've had, I've had both experiences. So I've had experiences where I am running pretty fast on, you know, in a workout that's, that's sub five for, you know, 10 miles and I'll take a gel. And I feel effortless. And there are other times where I might be going slower for like an eight mile tempo or today I did a six mile tempo to, to finish up my training. And I barely even sipped on my bottle. And I was like, 
I just can't get this down right now. Um, and ironically, it was a hotter day. So, you know, I don't know what the deal with that is, to be honest. Um, I think it's the level of perception that I feel like I should feel. And if I don't feel that, then I'm having a quote unquote bad day. So I think just reminding myself to go into this marathon, relax as possible, because I, I I need like the the carbohydrates and the sugars are must need. Like you have to be pretty superhuman to run a super fast time and not take fluids. So yeah, I just I want to make sure that I'm relaxed as possible because because it it is a difficult process, especially I've had races where athletes will put in a surge damn them you know right before the water bottle station i'm like really uh you know i was like like you're gonna make me work for this um i've i've had times where i don't lead i don't like leading my pack i like to come from behind and, and you know put people away when i can make strong moves in boston i was like i gotta get up in front because i don't want people making a move on me i want people to think i'm making the move and i'm gonna i'm gonna bring it to a complete stop if i if i can um and i did that i think uh for like one of the one of the bottle stations successfully <laughs> so i i got out in front people thought i was like you know gonna take off and i just was like nope gotta grab my bottle thank you <laughs> so. i love that i love the strategy talk speaking of that again you're going to this race obviously you're you're planning you know what can you do best and you you're thinking about your training and your race execution and the course and the heat all that stuff in addition to that, you're also running as a member of Team USA with, with two other athletes. So how much of this becomes a team sport versus just like a normal marathon for you where you'll know some people and not know other people and, and you just try to like make the most of it? Yeah, I think when I first found out the team selection on the men's side, I got really excited because, you know, Alconica bets an A6 athlete. Um, so that just brings me a lot closer to him and I, I know him personally, so he's a good guy. And then I don't know Zach like, like too well. I just know he kicked my butt in Chicago in 2022. And I just was like, dang, like, I don't think people understand how much of a grinder team this is. Like Alcona Cabet trained for this while he was deployed. And then he ran the Prague marathon and, and like, they, you know, like, that's such a baller thing to do. He was deployed in like a different country and he was probably only had like a four mile radius to train on. And he made the team. Zach Panning is, I think is just scratching the surface. So it's like, I feel like for not to diss other teams, but uh, teams that we've set in the past, but I really feel like this team has like something special to do. So, so to answer your question, like, yes, it, it is kind of individualized, but you know, I don't know. I don't know how unrealistic it is to say, like, if we have the right day, we could medal. And like, how cool would that be to bring home a, a medal for Team USA, Team USA, you know, not for me, not for Zach, but like the team. So I think if those guys grind their way out, which I know they can, then I think anything's possible. So now, is it like best practices in this sort of situation for you guys to compare notes ahead of time? Like, this is kind of the, this is the kind of fitness I think that I'm in, or here's some of like my race strategy, or is some of that kept more close to the vest? Or, I guess, you know, what is your understanding of like what the best practices are for this this sort of endeavor? I wish it was more talked about. In fact, you know, I could have been the one to even start it. I could have reached out to those guys and be like, hey. 
this is what I did today or this is what I'm doing. What do you think? Kind of like collab a little bit. Zach's on Strava, so you see everything he does. He's very fit. He's super ready to go. Alcana, I don't, I don't know what he's on, so but I just know he's strong. So, um, yeah, unfortunately that didn't happen between the three of us, but uh, maybe it should more going moving forward with different teams, you know, because I think that would be a stellar opportunity to to take advantage of, because I I think there's power in numbers, so. And I mean, if just from a race day strategy perspective, like there's still time, obviously, to do that. Well, like you wouldn't yeah. be like planning your training around each other. Like you'd say, hey, you know, what are you looking to do? What am I looking to do? You know, is, is there is there an opportunity to collaborate here or is that are we better off just kind of like, you know, making more spur of the moment decisions within the race? Yeah, and I, ho- I hope to talk to them both, actually. And that's just let them know we have something special that we could do if we if we choose to accept an opportunity like that so and you know if they were like no you know i don't want to focus on myself like more power to them you know i don't want to mess up their game plan so right right yeah you you want everyone to be at their best that's for sure i i'm just thinking back to last year in the women's race how cool was to see sarah kira and emma like like boom, 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 you know, like they all kind of came in together. They ran so much with the race together. Again, if that's not like, if that's not going to help people, then you shouldn't do it. But at the same time, it does seem like a, a fun thing that could happen and potentially, um, you know, lift up people. Right. Cause I guess yeah. running in, running in friendly groups. I mean, there's nothing better than that. Right. Like it's just so much better than running solo or, or doing a death march by yourself. Yep. I totally agree. Yep. Yeah. All right. So what is your travel schedule? And are there certain things that you may want to make sure that you do while you're in town, either from a training perspective or watching, you know, different events or things like that? Yeah. So I, so I leave tomorrow, uh, which is the 18th. Uh, and I should say we're I, recording this on August, on August 17th. I should say, tell people that. Yeah. So I leave Friday the 18th. I get into Budapest the 19th. for seven hours ahead. I get in like a really early afternoon. So I'll pretty much like right when I get there, it's like I'm on their time zone. Uh, I, you know, I would do my best not to sleep or anything until it's time to go to sleep at that time zone. So really it's just about getting in a ton of hydration, a ton of rest, and then eliminating all this stress right now that, um, you know, with, that comes with traveling or uh, practice or fatigue. Like, that's the main goal is just taking a deep breath and getting as much rest as I can get leading up to it. Gotcha. So you are you planning on going to see any of the events at all? Or is it just going to be just focusing on resting and relaxing? Uh, yeah. So my teammate, actually, that I should have mentioned her a while ago, she qualified as well for Team South Africa. So she's there right now. So she runs the 1500 prelims when i'm flying unfortunately so i'll miss her race but fingers crossed she gets to the semifinals and i'll be going to watch her pre uh semifinal 1500 and then as well i will tune into some other races and i i have um tickets on the last day with my mother uh to go watch the races so those are like all the final yeah so i'm pretty excited (laughs) oh man that is great so is it is it just your mom or you have any other family in town uh, my mom and then her partner, her girlfriend, are joining both, so they'll both be there. And so I'm, I'm just, I'm honored to have them, like, step out of their comfort zone and go to a different country, no less, to come to come participate. So yeah, I'm pretty happy that they're coming. 
That is so, fantastic. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's great. You always wonder, right? Yeah. It's like, it's a once in a lifetime, potentially once in a lifetime experience, but at the same yeah. time, like it's a long drive. <laughs> I mean, not a long drive. It's a long yes. trip. I can't believe I just said drive. It's a long trip. Um, that is certainly a, a, a big ask, but certainly mm-hmm. worth the effort. That is for sure. Nico, best of luck to you. I can't wait to recap uh, this in a couple of weeks, but even more so, I can't wait to watch. So good luck at Worlds. Thank you, Matt.